name is Dan Brown. I'm here today again with another A Lens A Day Conversations about Information Architecture. And today I get to talk to the remarkable Ha Fong. Ha, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Dan. Nice to virtually meet you. It's nice to meet you. I've followed you on Twitter. Uh, your, your tweets give me life um, because they are frequently uh, extolling the virtues of information architecture and uh, that makes me very happy. I wonder if uh, you, now you're coming at this from a product uh, perspective, right, these days? Yeah, um, I find that when I was a designer, I couldn't impact uh, information architecture meaningfully. So I don't see it as coming at it from a, from a product standpoint. Okay. I still, I think everything is UX, so. Right. Uh, but but I am a product leader in, in from a role perspective. So can you help us understand then what role IA plays in product then? Maybe you can sort of help us understand it's like from your perspective as a product leader, uh, what role does IA play in your work? Yeah, so when you are uh, working in UX, you your information architecture is really about the mental model, right? It's about, uh, it could be about navigation. Um, it could be about workflows. Um, so you think about it in, in a, from a very user journey kind of perspective. Uh, from a product point of view, I think about it as like, um, from a, more from a system point of view. Um, how do I build the systems or how do I have the data architecture or how do I, have the schemas or taxonomy to enable uh, the kind of problems or kind of solutions I want to create for UX. UX can can um, paint broad strokes about around like the information architecture, the you know the, the, the navigation, the mental models, so on. But UX isn't in the uh, in the weeds with data architecture, for example. And so, in order to make meaningful user experiences, you have to you have to move those goalposts in order to, and those are big, you know, big bets you're making in the product that are invisible. So uh, you've sort of talked about IA from these two different perspectives, one from the UX perspective and one from the product perspective. But like in some ways you're talking about slightly different, it feels like you're talking about different things, is the fact that they're both, they both use an IA. IA mindset, what they have in common, what is it that sort of unites these two perspectives in your mind? Well, the thing that unites the, these two perspectives is always the uh, user experience. That, that's the bottom line for everything, right? Why do, we, uh, why do we do anything? We're trying to either provide value for the, for the user or you provide the value to the business. Um, so those are the things that always unites everything. But I think that um, the, the user experience uh, perspective provides you with the mission, with a vision. Uh, from a product perspective, I feel like it's, a, it's more of meat and potatoes kind of thing. It's more like, uh, uh, how do I build the systems underneath to, to get to that vision? How do I break down the problems small enough so that I can say, okay, uh, I'm going to break this down so that I can build the system meaningfully uh, to, to, you know, toward this big vision. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess. Uh, so 
on your team now are, are uh, do you do the IA work? Do you have a UX lead who does the IA work? Like maybe you can shed some light on how yeah. information architecture works on your team today. Yeah, it's actually a lot of people who works on the information architecture. Um, we have a UX designer. I actually, I, I would call myself like the lead information architect on the team because I ask the questions uh, that helps to uh, scale the experience uh, and, and, you know, like modularly, how, how, how do we build the experience modularly? Um, but we, the, what the designer does is the designer um, frames like uh, the doorways into the experience. Um, and then we, because we own search and browse, we look at um, information architecture from many lenses. We look at it from a navigation point of view. We look at it from a topical exploration point of view. We look at it from a relevance point of view. So from each of those, uh, we have many different people working on it. So uh, we, have, we work with the taxonomy team um, who works with us on the taxonomy and how it's surfaced in the, in the UI. Um, and then uh, we make bets on like what level do we surface the taxonomy at what level uh, in the experience. Um, that's our way of breaking down the problems. We can say, we're gonna do show this first. And then over time, as we understand more of uh, how our contents map the taxonomy will surface it in the sub, you know, subsequent levels, things like that. So the designer kind of sets the vision of how uh, you know, navigation works, how topical exploration works, but it's really data scientists and uh, taxonomists and um, engineering, you know, kind of figure out like how do we how do we structure it uh, in the back end so that we could realize that vision. Uh, that's it. It's to me, it sounds like um, IA sort of as a mindset pervades everybody on the team. That that's they right. All need to sort of participate in it, and therefore they need to do it at least a little bit, which is a refreshing perspective uh, for me. Can you share with us some of the um, activities or methods uh, or even just sort of the ways in which you frame conversations around information architecture when you're drawing in a multidisciplinary team? What, what do those conversations uh, look like about IA? Yeah, some of it is uh, just having an alignment or shared understanding around uh, what how we define topics uh, as a topic as a nomenclature or as an entity. Um, so having a shared understanding around that. Uh, so for example, when when um, our search team you know works on search, uh, I say, uh, well, how does the how does the search engine recognize that this is this is a topic? And then the team said, well, what is a topic? And I said, a topic is where it's, it's, a, it's a level of, uh, it's, a, it's a level of an entity where we have a lot of content underneath. Uh, and they said, well, how much content? Or uh, where we have like at least a number of relationships, connections. So when you go to search for uh, JavaScript, for example, uh, we, can, we can kind of recommend these adjacent topics, right? So basically, we, we, we ask questions around like, what do we know uh, uh, in terms of like the, the connections around this one topic? Uh, how much content do we have for it? Um, and uh, basically, what does our learning platform 
can inform, can, can teach the user around about this one entity. So we start asking questions about what those things mean and how they translate uh, in the system. Does that make sense? So it's like versus like, oh, I'm gonna ask like <clears throat> this long, like I'm gonna enter in a very complex query. Well, that complex query isn't a topic. It might, in, but it might know that there's a topic in there, but it might be something very granular. So, so those are the kind of questions we ask. Another activity that we do is um, I ask um, I ask questions of our data scientists. So, for example, when we built our menu, uh, I said, "Well, we we have like twenty topics for this one domain. Uh, we don't want to show every single one of them." And so I said, "Well, I really think." we need to look at like, what are the most compelling topics? And then data scientists went off and they say, well, these are the top queries and then the queries map to you know, the topics. And then we also wanna show um, topics that have a lot of content so it makes a good experience. So those kind of conversations we have, but ultimately the questions we're asking are questions about our data. That makes sense. Can you maybe take us back in your career, uh, in your career and, help us uh, or maybe tell us a story about when IA really clicked for you. Uh, what, at what moment sort of in uh, the arc of your career? Yes, I have this exact, I have this, this moment, okay. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I built applications before, I built like really complex uh, websites before, but the moment I could visualize it as like, as like a really compelling, uh, thing is when, when I was at GoPro, um, this was years before Google Photos, uh, years before we had the live photos. So you know live photos, you have that, you have a duration, it's not a single moment, right? So uh, I was working at GoPro before we had that understanding of what a live photo was. And we were trying to find like a highlight, right? A highlight in a video. So we, we determined a highlight has a duration at least of five seconds. Uh, there was a lot of research that went into this, but we basically figured out what a highlight was, right? And it has a lot of the same common things we understand about a live photo, which is like, it's really 30 seconds, but it's one, it's, it's one second, but 30 frames, right? So um, when you look at the, the makeup of a live photo, uh, it's not a single frame, it's a moment in time. And then there's all these metadata that's captured around the live photo. And so the meta of that, the meta of that, of a live photo is different than a single shot, right? Of what we understood a single photo to be uh, before the live photo. But now when you go to live photo, you go, of course there's 30 frames and I can choose any of these frames, but it changed how you interact with that completely. And it changed what you can do with it. So I remember thinking that I said this, and when I said this, nobody understood it, but those of us who worked intimately with the problem understood it. I said that the metadata of a thing determines the possibilities for what you can do with it, right? And, uh, and I think when people solve problems, they see a very high level of, of the definition of a thing. Like you can say, oh, it's a topic, right? But it's really, clicking down a thousand level into that thing to understand, to define that, oh, this is uh, an animal. It has fur and it has four legs. All these definitions that you define about it. 
makes that thing uh, more powerful and it gives it more possibilities and, and allows you to paint the picture of the world you're trying to create. So uh, I can't, it sounds like a small thing, but that experience makes me, every time I encounter a problem now, I, I, I click a thousand level into it and it informs me to, it, it kind of makes me, uh, it provides me with like this context of knowing what questions to ask about a single thing that, and that, that enables you to make connections with other, other like things or bigger things. Like where, where does that little thing belong, if that makes sense? So the, the topic example is a good example because it's like, what is a topic, you know? And then a thousand questions follows. Um, that was amazing. Uh, um, it's sort of like this uh, notion that a computer doesn't really understand the thing it's looking at. It only understands the metadata of the thing. And to bridge the gap between the computer and the human that's looking at it, right? We need to have really clear metadata uh, in order for that content to be remotely uh, manipulatable by the computer itself and to allow the human to interact with that. It must have uh, meaningful and comprehensive metadata around it. Uh, I think you said the, a, con a piece of content is only as good as uh, the metadata that we have around it. When you start, uh, I love the, uh, I click on it a thousand times. Um, when you start clicking on something, what are some of the questions that you ask? And I know that must vary depending on the thing that you're clicking on, but is there, is there sort of one sort of line, line of questioning, line of clicking that you start with? I think it depends on the hypothesis that I'm, that I'm holding in my head while I'm, uh, while I'm considering that thing, if that makes sense. It's like, uh, um, it's like, what, what, what do I wanna do with that? Um, so, so for example, if I, if I think about a, a, a video, um, what do I want to do with that moment? Uh, why, why do I care to capture the duration of a video? Um, I only care about it if I, if I think maybe, uh, if I string enough of these moments together, I have a story. Um, so there's like some intrinsic motivation, uh, sorry, uh, some ideation that's happening in my head around what I could do with that thing. Um, also, I think about like uh, frequency of engagement. Uh, so I have this, I don't think it's a theory. I think it's already proven. Um, I think when people create content, they don't think about things like uh, the frequency of engagement. So for example, like when you're on Twitter, it takes, when I'm on Twitter, it takes me like a minute to create a tweet. Like it's really fast. And then I can create like 50 tweets in a day if I wanted to. Um, and then, you know, and then people consume it really fast, but then it's fresh all the time because every day I come on and I create this. But if I create a really long piece of content, then I want to, you know, it's probably gonna take me a longer time to invest, to, to engage with it. And so there's, there's a set expectation of creation, freshness and frequency of engagement. So when you talk about the metadata, you're actually talking about like, how do you want people to consume this thing? 
uh, what are the possibilities of creating th more things from this thing? Um, so, so the questions I ask are usually related to me poking at like I ideas about what I want to do with that, or what does it mean uh, in relation? If I put this thing and connect it with another thing, then is it now does it mean something different? So that's kind of the level of how I think about uh, UX. Yeah, that's cool, uh, and I that, that is brings us to uh, the lens. Uh, that uh, that you zeroed in on, um, you know, this idea of creating connections uh, between things is very much about kind of uh, navigation and uh, looking around a virtual space. So can you tell us what lens you picked and maybe describe it in your own words? Yeah, I picked wayfinding, um, mainly because I feel like the space I work in is all wayfinding. Um, I own... Uh, I don't want to say oh, but I, I I lead I lead four teams at Pluralsight, and we work on navigation, uh, search and browse, and we work on another experience called certification prep, which is like a guidance experience. So they're all kind of uh, discovery experiences, right? And so I picked wayfinding because um, to me, like that's half of what you do online. <laughs> You're always discovering things. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. What? Um, so, uh, the, this lens asks us, uh, to think, to look at a structure that we're designing, right. And asks us to think in terms of, uh, sort of moving through the space, right. Like if I'm designing a virtual structure and I'm using this lens, the lens is asking me to think in terms of, does it guide people through the space? So, you know, you were talking before about asking questions about how you're gonna use the content, how you might draw connections between the content. Maybe have you applied this lens in, in, in some of your work in terms of like thinking, ask, poking at uh, content to ask, how are people gonna move through this? Yeah, so uh, it really depends on the context. Um, the context of discovery the context of where they are. Um, when, when users are on a website, uh, what we're providing is we're providing an overall model, a mental model of like of our value. Like this is, this is what this place is about, right? Um, in terms of search and browse, uh, context is really important because you have, you have different, you have people who come onto the platform with different motivations at different levels of expertise. So uh, I work on an e-learning platform and it's a very, for, for a technical audience, so it's very highly complex. And when I first came on, they had these personas where they identify users as experts or novices. And what I discovered is that no, there's no users with that who are experts or novices. You might be an expert in one thing, but a novice in another in terms of learning because you're on an e-learning platform. If you work with engineers, you know that I might be an expert front-end developer, but I'm a novice. I know some things about back-end, but I'm still a novice, right? So, so how, do I, um, how do I navigate through that? How do I wayfind my way, right? If I'm an expert in something, I just know what I don't know. I can identify what I don't know. I know the questions to ask, and I'll go search, and I'll find it. But if I'm a novice, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know where to begin. So I tend to explore or browse through things. 
So it depends on the context and how do you frame that content. There's also like styles of learning. So uh, some people want to, hand, want to be hands-on and some people want to be led by the hand. So uh, all of those things provide the context and then the structure that you provide is, is the framing of like, how do you want to learn and where do you start? And wherever you, whatever the user tell you to start, that, that's like, that's you like guiding the user through that topic because now they told you, whether they tell you by their search or whether they tell you by a browse topic or uh, a way they want to learn, then it's all like information architecture from there, right? It's like, okay, I, I told you that I want to learn, uh, I want to be certified in, as an AWS solutions architect. Now you're like, okay, well, we're going to give you a guidance experience to go through that versus me saying, I want to figure out this coding problem. That's a completely different thing. So that's kind of context is, you know, it, it, uh, that's all it's about. And then the next thing is, that's why the information architecture aspect of it, taxonomy, ontology. Um, another thing that's really hard is when people tell you one thing, but they really mean something else. So when you build a really good uh, um, uh, data models, you have synonyms built in. You have like, oh, you said this, but we, we, we understand. We know that you really mean this, right? That's really, really hard. When I'm talking to folks about wayfinding, I often find myself using physical metaphors, like, uh, and even the, the lens itself has sort of talks about thing, looking at structures from the inside uh, um, or uh, being in the middle of the structure, right? These are all very physical metaphors. And in fact, I started a project a few weeks ago and I used uh, one of the national parks um, uh, as a metaphor, because there's signs all over the place, right, that sort of help direct user, users, visitors to the national park where they want to go. And it's kind of a good metaphor, right, that the sign can be sensitive to the context, as you say, right, you are here, so I can direct you from where to go from here. But I often worry about using physical metaphors too much, because the virtual space is completely uh, it does not obey the same constraints, obviously, that physical spaces do. Do you find yourself using physical metaphors a lot when you're talking about wayfinding, or do you have other ways of talking about it? I find that, that in the space I'm working in, it's very difficult to uh, relate to a physical metaphor, mainly because the, um, the connection that users make uh, doesn't really lend itself well. So if you ever work with a data scientist to build ontologies, you're basically trying to map like uh, the universe. It's like you see things like little ecosystems and then know to connect. From that respect, I see it more like, like I use the, the space metaphor very often because people can visualize that, oh, this is a solar system and it connects to a bigger one, to a galaxy, things like that. And, um, and so I find it very difficult to, to use a, uh, a physical uh, metaphor. I do use the physical metaphor from a, you know, like building a house or building a uh, building. Um, but usually it's just to explain like the infrastructure behind, you know, and the foundation behind the experience. But uh, I find that also very difficult because I don't, what we're building is always moving. So I, I have recently used the metaphor of 
um, we're building a plane, but from the inside out, but we're flying it at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I have a difficult time with the physical metaphors. Yeah. Um, so I've been asking everyone to um, think in terms of uh, coaching or providing advice to uh, new, newer designers, right? I feel like um, folks who are newer to the field don't haven't had the same benefits certainly that I've had in terms of thinking deeply about IA earlier in my career because we were perhaps afforded more time and more space uh, to do that. There was not quite the emphasis on, on delivering screens uh, constantly as there is in modern software development. Um, and so I, uh, I'm asking folks, if you were to help a designer newer to the field um, to think about this lens and to apply it to their own work, what advice might you give someone? How might you coach someone uh, along these lines? That's a tough one. Uh, I've actually felt like I've tried to do it and I don't do it well. Um, what I've done in the past, um, I do it from a team perspective because the problems I tend to attack are so complex. Um, so first I think it would be helpful if the team can uh, visualize, you know, what, what is it that we're all looking at? So one of the first things uh, I tend to do is I try to get the team to prototype or to show like uh, the backend data so that we can all kind of identify things the same way and understand like the scale of the thing we're building. Um, and then the second thing that I think, uh, you can't expect people to have system thinking overnight. You just can't. So you, what I try to do is I try to work with designers to identify, like, uh, to look at interaction as, uh, as behavioral triggers. So, so for example, if I, if I build something and I, and the, and I create a, uh, a UI trigger to, for a user to whatever it is, it could be a button or it could be, uh, any, anything like that you could capture and you, and that's meaningful that you think if, if this is a thing that users engage with, it drives something else. So if you can kind of uh, get designers to articulate their designs in that way, like this is a behavior driver that's gonna impact this other thing uh, down the road. And then when, when you build it and you start to see, you know, collect data around it, you can kind of see, you start to formulate the system view. Um, and then the, the rest is collaboration is that once the user start think, sorry, once the designers start to think about this, they start to work with data scientists and taxonomists and you can kind of coach them uh, in the kind of questions that they're asking. Um, so if you do that, then, you know, designers start to have a broader view of, of the system they're designing, not just the UI they're designing. Oh, that was fantastic. We will leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Dan. Have a great day.